It's Wednesday. How are you, everybody? It's nice to be with you tonight on a Wednesday night. It's this part two of our United States of Leonard Leo series, which is going to be uh, only a two-parter. So this is the last part, but it'll be a good one tonight. Um, Eric Garland is here. How are you again, Eric? Nice to see you. Hello, Zev. Happy to be here. Um, we are going to do something really interesting tonight. Later on, you know, um, you know, one of the best senators, in my opinion, of all the senators right now is Sheldon Whitehouse. You know him. He's pretty good, right? He's a good guy. He gives inspiring speeches, yes. Yeah, and he's been on the ball with everything SCOTUS. And I uh, was researching a lot about Leonard Leo today, and I came across these speeches, which I'd seen before, but I hadn't really done it in great detail and hadn't seen them recently. And I was like, I don't have to tell the story of Leonard Leo because Sheldon Whitehouse is going to tell the story of uh, Leonard Leo, as he's done it in several speeches. We're only going to play excerpts of some of these speeches, but they're really good. And so I urge everyone to stick around because Leonard Leo is, of course, the guy who engineered this whole corruption of the Supreme Court. And it's how we got to this ridiculous leak yesterday of the abortion opinion and how we're still unsure of what the abortion laws are going to be in this country all the way into the summer. It looks like we're still not going to know what the laws are, especially in some states which are teetering between, you know, not having no abortion at all, to having some abortion in some other states, to different rules everywhere. It's going to be very, very disruptive. Hopefully, it'll, the Roe versus Wade will be upheld. I still think there's a good possibility that that'll happen, especially if they don't make a decision in June. But we'll leave that aside today because we do want to talk about the SCOTUS, but we also want to talk a lot about what you've been finding out on the news. And there's, there's a ton of stories out there which are just so interesting. Some people might say they're not big stories, but when you really look at them, they're very, very important stories. And I don't know which one you want to pick up first, but... I'm going to call an audible from, from the pre-show here. Like this Roe v. Wade, you know, thing, the leak of, it was almost a draft of a thing we might do a la the steel dossier getting in the way of an, you know, actual stories out there. This Sunday, Haaretz, the newspaper in Israel started talking about how Bibi Netanyahu has been supporting the Sinaloa cartel. Right. Through, much of his government, you know, people that traffic drugs and children. And that's and, kind of a big deal because he's been under several corruption uh, investigations that have turned into prosecutions and that the trial has been kind of slow going. And uh, we had a week there where, you know, we extradited the president of Honduras for drug trafficking. Then we arrested the premier of the British Virgin Islands in Florida for drug trafficking conspiracy. And he thought he was working with the Sinaloa's Honduras government is Sinaloa. And then we find out that the former prime minister of Israel had apparently special deals and had agreed to try and protect Hernandez from extradition to the United States, mm. which is accessory oh. after the fact. How is he going to protect if you him? Were that, well, he, uh, he was going to use his political muscle with mm. the Trump administration. And apparently it was one of the first things that um, Biden and Harris discussed as soon as they got their security briefings. You know, there was a quote attributed to Vice President Harris where she said, well, why don't we go get him tonight? This uh, Hernandez guy. <laughs> you can see the prosecutor and her come yeah, right out. Yeah, she's, like, she's, she's, she's like shining right now. Um, th wait a second. So the, the Trump administration was potentially in cahoots with Benjamin Netanyahu in terms of not bringing the leader of the this cartel to America for trial. They were basically going to the thing with Bibi Netanyahu's now, government on something like that. Well, wow. the bar now, while Barr was uh, attorney general, yeah. they prosecuted Hernandez's brother, 
and brought him here. And then the president of Honduras himself was next on deck. He lost his election in late 2021 and you know, we just got him last Thursday or so. Right, right, right. But we're now learning about Bibi Netanyahu that he was making a deal with the Hondurans. Okay. And this is actually going to roll into some other stories here. He was making some deals with the Honduran government, which you're thinking that's maybe not the closest alliance, Israel and Honduras necessarily. And it was a quid pro quo. If you guys move your embassy to Jerusalem, then we will protect your president from drug trafficking charges in the United States, which is pretty neat. What a hell of a deal. Move the embassy. What a hell of a deal. Move the embassy, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think uh-huh. we'll move our embassy as well, right, Eric? You and I will move our embassy to Jerusalem in exchange for, uh, you know, whatever we can find, really. Whatever narrative Live, yeah. Narrative Live will move its embassy to Jerusalem for another ad sponsor as long as they want it <laughs> we're probably a cheap date compared to you know Honduras. <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> so that's we, we don't traffic to... you know how much he was that uh, the president of honduras was being accused of trafficking Five hundred thousand kilos of blow oh my gosh and we don't do nearly yes. that so no we no that's that's not even like a week. that's two weekends yeah. for us so you know that's right um but back to the story bibi netanyahu is not longer in power. So we're talking about what this is uh, two years ago before. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. And this came out in Haaretz. So this was an Israeli newspaper. So Haaretz has been doing some interesting things lately. I saw recently they had a story about um, the Chabad and actually a very revealing story about the Chabad. And they actually went there. They went to, you know, what is the strange little cult that's inside the Jewish religion that's also operate as uh, Putin's, you know, right hand man or whatever it is that he he does with them i mean he you know they basically rule him and who are they and uh, what do they really do wow so you um, know it's coming yeah so yeah that's coming down pike so too so Haaretz is doing some good stuff so that i read that on sunday and it's funny there's a you find then a picture if you go looking around at this hernandez guy you'll find a picture of him with shaking hands with the former illegally acting director of the dhs chad wolf oh. um Now, Wolf was in the news because he confirmed a story that I wrote that went viral about the whistleblower from within the intelligence agency of the Department of Homeland Security, that's Intelligence and Analysis, INA. Mm -hmm. Um, Brian Murphy, the head of INA, went full whistleblower because during the campaign, he said, look, I've been asked to distort intelligence products. I remember that. I remember that. That was a big story. It was a big story. And the Republicans stopped him from testifying in Congress before the election. So it, the whistleblower complaint came out. It, that part was published, but that's kind of where it ended. Well, the Office of the Inspector General of DHS came out with a report about 48 hours ago that confirmed all that. And that's, that's really important. There's a difference between allegations and investigations. You know, you know, that have got some substance to them. So, yeah. you know, that's probably... Basically, now we know that Chad <laughs> Wolf was acting on behalf of, well, not acting on behalf of, but probably trying to protect Trump, but in so doing was also acting on behalf of Kremlin and uh, explicitly protecting both. Wow. Explicitly in the meetings saying this makes POTUS look bad in the meetings. And there's contemporary notes. That's what the OIG goes and gets, but also what were they, what made POTUS look bad? Yeah. The reports that specifically Russia was particularly trying to push a narrative about Joe Biden being cognitively impaired. 
and, which is very similar to the messages that were out there about Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. And, you know, they were disseminating the DHS is the only agency that can disseminate intelligence products to like local and state governments, depending on their need. Right. And those are the people that run our elections. Mm -hmm. And to know that, hey, we've got, there are people attacking our election from abroad. You know, what are they going to do about it specifically in this state or this county? You know, maybe something, maybe nothing, but that's how they get uh, informed about it. And it's a unique intelligence service. And Chad Wolf had no right. First of all, he was illegally acting in his job. He had never been confirmed by the Senate. Neither had Ken Cuccinelli. These guys were just squatters. Yeah, and they were, he, they were so acting he, though, weren't they acting? They well, they, they, no, they were illegally acting. Okay, they, okay. It was judge. Federal judges were like, "Dude, you didn't get confirmed. What the hell? Get it? Get out of there! You're in somebody <laughs> else's spot. You shouldn't even have coffee in the break room. Get the hell out!" Um, oh my gosh, where have we and, been? And, and Chad Wolf used to work down the hall for me in DC. Yeah, my, uh, yeah, it was weird. Well, the high the, the high the rise, the, the longer the fall. I think whatever the expression mm-hmm. might be. Um, and well, we took different paths. Uh, <laughs> I'm not running interference with the Kremlin. He is. We both met at the same water fountain, no doubt. But anyhow, and, but he was sitting in on intelligence production meetings, and there is a very defined path of how. You know, it goes from the analyst to the supervisor, and then it gets yeah. deconflicted, all this yeah. stuff, and it goes around. And then there's an advance notice of the intelligence, and then there's a publication of it. And Chad Wolf dropped in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, these things have to be organized. Yeah. Um, principles. Otherwise, you get, you know, no, it's, there's, these are big agencies, it's bureaucracy, and everybody checks each other's work. And he's dropped in after they did, like, I believe, the advance notice of the intel that was going to go out. And he said, you need to add some Iran and China stuff. I remember that. I remember I they, like, they came out and they did this weird press conference. <laughs> I remember, um, I think, it was it, uh, um, it was Ray who came out and did a press conference about China and, and Iran in, 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 you know, trying to interfere in the elections, but not really Russia. It was just odd. Like, it was just seemed like a weird thing to put it in there because it wasn't really, you know, yes, of course, they were trying to, to interfere, but it wasn't I'd, on the scale of Russia. I'd, I'd forgotten that Ray did that press conference. Yeah, That's yeah. weird. Yeah. That's now, right? God, ew, awkward. Yeah. Um, because that was illegal. What Chad Wolf did was drop in. He's not an analyst. Like he's like golf caddy. He's a, he's, <laughs> he's a paperweight. And he goes, nope, we need to add some Iran and China and cut down on the Russia because it makes POTUS look bad. And then he stopped the publication of the Intel product. And very correctly, Mr. Murphy, the head of INA said, I'm out. I'm going to Congress because this is every possible violation. I mean, it's like your intelligence is never supposed to be politicized. It's like, we don't make the decision about it. We don't know what you're going to think of it or how you're going to feel about it. This is, you know, I'm an expert in this. This is what I saw. But not in the Trump administration. The Trump administration, it was politics. I mean, they just viewed all intelligence as politics, right? I mean, that's the way they handle things, which is unfortunate and cost us a lot of secrets and spies. Actually, it's it's funny you mention that because if you're in politics Mm -hmm. and the intelligence about foreign enemies impacts you politically, it's because there's some connection between you and those foreign enemies, which is very unusual in domestic politics, which is why this has been a cluster. Wow, so... you're blowing my mind. Meanwhile, he's still okay there, Mr. <laughs> Donald Trump is, you know, he's still out there uh, endorsing people and candidates and, 
and they're claiming that because of him, these candidates are doing better. I don't buy that for one second. I don't think there's even a scintilla of chance that Donald Trump would ever get reelected as president of the United States. I mean, I just don't see it. I might be very wrong, but it would have to be under extreme uh, interference because I just can't imagine that this guy would ever be anywhere near the White House again. But people have said that before. I, I said that, and I said that once upon a time. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I've been hurt before. I, you know, but we all get the third surprises. Story? But I so the Sussman case ah, yes, uh, from the this. Durham Special Counsel's Office, which in you know a great number of media outlets, it's strange they just spit all over this thing. They're like, it's it's either a piddling charge or it's also it's it, these are prosecutors gone wild. Can when we talk in reality, about this? they've asked. Can we can we talk about this? This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. So this is a sure. special counsel investigation under the current no. administration, under the current AG, who happens to be a, right. a judge. Like he's not just the you know just an AG. He's not a yeah. politician. He's an actual judge. This is a special uh, counsel investigation. The guy's name. Oh, it rhymes with mine. That's right. Yeah. 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 It does. That guy. It does. The, the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It does. It does. It does. It's just an yeah. M in front of the Eric. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Gar Garland. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's interesting that this people at Impressive decided to ignore this one story because they don't think it's going to look good. Well, that's not your job. To, you know, you can't say that the right media, the mainstream media is, or the Fox News of the world is biased and claim that you're not, and then go right ahead and do the exact same thing and ignore the Durham investigation and ignore all the findings of the Durham investigation and just pretend it's not happening. It's like, this is not Hunter Biden we're talking about here. This is an investigation by a special counsel in the current administration. It's not um, some leaked laptop that came out of someone's, you know, backyard or something. This is a real, real investigation involving serious offenses. And, you know, people need to wake up. This is a big story because they are going to, it's going to hit them in, a, in soon and they'll realize that they missed a big story. You know, it's funny. They've, it's such a big story that pretty much all the left-leaning media channels have abandoned it in favor of the right-leaning or the hard, frankly, the hard right media channels. And I threw up in my mouth a little, but I read an article in the Federalist. I'm so ashamed. Uh, I read an article in the Federalist. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do it for work. Don't judge me. Don't judge yeah. me. Um, and it was, at, you know, worse. It was accurate. It was, it was actually the story. And it was like, they're just going through the pleadings and going, well, this happened. Oh, this don't look good. And they're not putting any polish on it. And look, there's like 94 turds on that website, right? That are mm. worth nothing. This is a propaganda tactic. You, uh, especially if certain organizations have influence in both sides of the media, perhaps mm -hmm. that if you have something inconvenient about your assets over on the left, you put it on the right. That's where you put the stories so that all the people who like your assets on the left will not believe it. And you do this, the flippy flip, Yeah, you know, you make sure the left wing outlets cover the bad stuff, the right wing. And in reality, it's the Michael Sussman case, which is tied to the Igor Donchenko case, which is tied to the Kevin Kleinsmith case, which is an entire uh, conspiracy to create false evidence and feed it into the FBI corruptly. Now, the charge is 18 U.S. Code 1001, a single lie <clears throat> from Michael Sussman to James A. Baker, who was general counsel of the FBI at the time. Do you have a client behind what you're giving me? And he said, no, multiple times. And then later on, he said, yes. 
And now in this case, if you look at the incredibly large docket, that's like five mm -hmm. bucks to, to even like click on each time and pacer because it's so voluminous. Mm -hmm. Remember for this piddling case, it's just like a piddly, it's one little thingy, but now it's got five or six intervenors who have been asking for their own rights in this Hillary for America campaign, the democratic mm -hmm. national committee, Perkins Cooey, the law firm fusion, GPS, the Los Angeles Lakers, Motley Crue, um, no, the last couple, no. But pretty much uh, the entire Hillary campaign from 2016 and assorted hangers-on have all entered as movements in the case trying to get attorney-client privilege. Oh, from, right, because that's important from, to get in this case for a lot of them. Yes, yeah. so Fusion GPS, who includes Previs Russian money launderers Prevazan <laughs> as clients, for their basically sub espionage work mm -hmm. um they were being employed by perkins cooey for to create data to foist to the the fbi and they're coming and they're asking for attorney client privilege now they're not a lawyer and some mm -hmm. of these emails are between fusion gps and their large-scale pr operation according mm -hmm. to the allegations and the evidence that's been laid out by the government so far where fusion gps as soon as they were making these you know, Intel looking like documents, the steel dossier, mm -hmm. they were flinging them or the previews of them at media outlets. So you've got, you have emails, I believe that I've seen between Fusion GPS and like Slate and New York Times and others. And they're saying that's attorney client privilege. Now, I'm just a French major and, not, and they're not attorneys and the media outlets are not clients. So I don't understand that. But the case turns around whether Michael Sussman lied to the FBI about whether he had a client. Now he's an attorney. So there's a question of were these other people, was, was Hillary Clinton his client? Was the DNC his and Mark Elias's client? Mm. He told the FBI no, and that's the single charge. It's a six month in prison maximum thing. If you're a first time offender, you're talking about being, you know, you're going to miss like three weeks of Netflix. Um, well, don't lie to the FBI. That's the moral of the story. But also, um, you know, that's a really, really important moral to the story. But the other part of that story you're telling me is that the media was also being fed a lot of this fake information, meaning there was an influence campaign targeted at the media, the left-leaning media, uh, of the same kind of information, which is, which is interesting. Okay, so Perkins Cooey, according to the FEC documents, because they've had to plead guilty to some of the violations that they've been accused of, I believe it was a guilty plea. In any event, they've been cited by the FEC for they called all of this money from the campaign, $5 million. They called all of that legal fees. Well, it's not all legal fees. Mm. Some of that's passed through to Fusion GPS and the people that put together the data for the Alpha Bank story. Oh. And Fusion GPS got $1 million in the 2016 campaign from starting from Perkins Cooey on behalf of, of the Clinton campaign of the Clinton campaign. Wow. So Fusion, nice. they, the, that is a lot of, for a know. research firm. <laughs> I'm going to give you some benchmarking from within competitive intelligence, which is yeah. my industry. Yeah. Um, and we can get some pretty goddamn good stuff for yeah. you inside of six to 12 weeks. And you're looking at a five digit number. Yeah. And if you want to go way further than that and you know, everything's legal. Well, this is our thing. Everything's legal. Everything's ethical. <laughs> nobody, you know, nobody gets sued. Um, but for a million, you, I don't know. I don't what know <laughs> what I would do. What would, if you gave my, like all of my top colleagues 
and me a million dollars to split simultaneously. I mean, we could get everyone's shoe size on earth. Yeah. I mean, it's probably the bribe, the bribe factor. It's probably in, in Russia, you might have to bribe some people. Maybe you have to bribe some a million dollars for that story. I mean, it, well, and, and it looks like they had a boiler room going to the US media. So yeah, it's funny like over in Russia, you've got the Russian military spreading disinformation and on us soil, you've got the Clinton campaign paying for disinformation that it's created on purpose. Wow. Just, you know, I know the reaction is always visceral when people say something negative about the Hillary Clinton campaign. This does not mean Hillary Clinton did it. It just means that there is a, you know, some people in her orbit that might've been doing some bad things. It's not that uncommon to do disinformation amongst campaigns. If it's disinformation that it also applies to giving fake information to the FBI, then it's a crime. Um, you shouldn't, yeah, do, that. You shouldn't and, do that. And if you appropriate technical DNS data that came, you know, ostensibly from Neustar or one of its, another one of its client companies mm. where they had been monitoring actual DNS information yeah. around the executive office yeah. of the president, um, they took that and that was reserved for a contract with DARPA to do advanced cyber defense for the United States against the actual White House. They dipped into that data on existing U.S. defense yeah, contracts. It's not good that's for not good. their disinformation campaign. Yeah, I'm not a lawyer. Um, I mean, you probably shouldn't compromise the president's uh, data for your own uh, campaign in any way. I mean, I. Seems like it's a shame Ra Rachel Bittekoffer isn't <laughs> here tonight. Uh, know she's in Arizona. Hey, Rachel, if you're out there, what do you feel about like stealing data that was meant to be set aside for a DARPA contract? You ever do that? <laughs> um, Rachel's saving Arizona for us. So don't distract her. We're very excited that she's doing it. <laughs> she, you know, and I'll bet she hasn't stolen a bunch of data from Lawrence Livermore Labs. Sandia National Labs there. And it's like, they had some nuclear triggers, but we got a thing we want to push to BuzzFeed and Gizmodo next week. Yeah, what this was. It's so bad that they did this, you know, because they, they, they were, had a winning campaign anyhow, theoretically. Uh, this didn't really help them much. And it's, and now look what they've done. They've caused this stink in their, on their entire name. Goes on for, yeah, I'm, I'm going to cover this in more detail on the Game Theory Today podcast. Yeah. I got a big one in the in the loop there. But here's what people need to understand. If the Clinton campaign had not created the Steele dossier and the Alpha Bank counterfeit data, then like 99% of the disinformation about covering all of Trump's connections to Russia and all of Russia's actions wouldn't have been possible. The Clinton campaign's actions were an incredible bonus to the GOP covering the Kremlin's tracks. And that's just how it is. And you can cry so about GOP it and you can scream about it. Disinformation campaign that everything that, that Jim Jordan and Devin Nunes Mm -hmm. And Trigaudi and all the rest of them chowed at Ted Cruz, the fake, the fake, or the hoax, dodgy the hoax, dossier, yeah. and the and the tap in the wires of Trump. Here's the bananas thing. They were right. This is what the Clinton it was people, dodgy. Yeah. It was dodgy because, the, and of course, what the intelligence community knows about Russia was not that bunch of horseshit from Microsoft Word that. Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS put out. That's not an intelligence product and it's not representative of the intelligence community. But the media sucked it up, didn't bother, strangely, didn't ask any actual intelligence professional, hey, does this look legit? In which case, everyone who knows what they're doing would have said, no, of course not. 
or it, it sort of looks a little bit like it, but they put it out there and then the Republicans were able to correctly say that's bullshit. And you know, Trump's being beaten up by the media and the Clinton people. It's, this is all, you know, push back uh, a little. Bruce Orr, Nellie Orr, Chris. The okay. Steele dossier is actually, for the most part, most of it, like 95% of it appears to be accurate. Like this, it is fact checkable and it is accurate. Um, I would disagree with a lot of that. Really? Okay. Well, let's, we should do this. We should do the show and figure it out because I, I well, okay. it'll be great. Let's go to the still I've dossier been and see what's, what's true and what's not. Um, but I, the alpha server that clearly now reading all these uh, filings in the Durham investigation, that seems to be like a manufactured thing. Like that was manufactured out of the, the law firm that was representing the Hillary campaign. Uh, well, the CIA agrees with you. They did an analysis of that, and they have technical staff, of course. And the most damning commentary was made that examining the data, this does not look like it was produced by machines mm. and their typical patterns, but by humans. Mm. And when you're talking about huge data sets like that, I mean, that's a fancy way of saying, wow, this is a very sophisticated uh, counterfeit. Yeah. And what's already before the court, you know, what they're arguing in pretrial is what the jury's going to hear. And they've put up some sample emails from, that were shared among the Hillary Clinton team and their attorneys. And the Rodney Jaffe Newstar and the Georgia Tech researchers where it's like, wow, that's great. That's so sophisticated that only like the top DNS researchers would like even ask any more questions. Like, wow, that's a wonderful fraud you've done there. Mm. Like, yeah, that, it's, a, it's not good. Um, it's, it's also, you know, it sort of ends Hillary's chances of ever being able to run again. I would think, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. We'll see what happens. Um, this is a, we should do the Durham investigation next week or the week after next week. We've got some big shows coming up. We've got some really big shows, but maybe the week after we'll do the Durham investigation because, because uh, we should, we should, it's going to become quite interesting. Um, is there anything else you want to mention? I've got to take a commercial break. We've already spoken for 30 minutes. Amazingly. And, uh, I'm going to do it live because that's what I, I have them doing right now. Do you know, One more thing, yeah. we got a third. We got a third guilty plea on seditious conspiracy, mm. or rather, the third charge of seditious conspiracy. Uh, there's cooperation with the government. Those are the big charges. That's twenty years each. And this one, there's somebody from the Oath Keepers who is saying, "Oh yeah, I'm going to testify to the fact that yes, we were there to overthrow the government. And in fact, I heard the leader of the Oath Keepers trying to talk to Trump to get orders. So we are zoning in on." In the bunker with Mrs. Scarlett and the rope um, and the telephone to... Yeah. And Ginny Thomas, yes. Yeah, and Ginny. <laughs> um, there's also Donald Trump Jr. testified yesterday in front of the January the 6th committee, which was, which will be interesting. I mean, uh, you know, it's voluntary, so God knows what he's going to say, but there you go. That's also happened. So are you back out in the world after COVID and coronavirus? Are you still are you, are you out there unmasked and traveling the universe like you were before COVID? Um, no, but I'm out there and I'm masked, but I would not like any more diseases. Yeah. I mean, look, or, it's, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to beat diseases of all forms. And, you know, we're not, this is not specific to coronavirus. I'm not making any claims around coronavirus. I'm just saying that there is a great way to boost your immunity. 
uh, and it's called Athletic Greens. And I've been doing this thing. I did it for a month and I kept doing it after a month. It's a green drink you drink in the morning. It's you just take a scoop, put it in a glass of water or whatever juice you want. It tastes really good, which is the biggest thing about green juices. I know when I first looked at it, it does not look so appetizing because it looks like vegetables. It is basically vegetable, but it tastes really kind of good and refreshing. And it has like 72 different nutrients and vitamins that have been specially formulated um, to give you everything you need in a day. Just imagine everything you need an entire day in one scoop. And so I'm thrilled that these guys are advertisers on narrative because it's one of those things that I can, you know, wholeheartedly endorse. And I think it's a really good purchase for everybody. It does lots of good things for you. It gives you better energy, better memory, you feel healthier. It's just a delight to have in your day. It'll make you feel so much better. Plus, AG1 will only cost around three bucks a day. And that's not bad considering all the you know, try to do that. Try to get all your nutrients in a day from food for three bucks a day. You could not do it, but you can do it uh, with Athletic Greens. So they're also giving uh, Narrative Live viewers a special offer. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily health insurance. Thank you, Athletic Greens, for supporting uh, Narrative Live. And thank you for supporting Athletic Greens. If you are going to buy from them, uh, it really helps the show and it gives us uh, more revenue to keep running these great programs that we do. I have an Athletic Greens story that is completely organic. Uh, This was not set up with even Zev, but even before I heard about them as advertisers, I have a dear friend whose wife is aiming to live to 100 and she's like a certified health coach and whatnot. And she was already using this product and loves it. And I, I can tell you, you know, she stands by it. And for me, with all the stress of all this news, I just rely on uh, comfort foods and I actually do not get all the same uh, vitamins and minerals that Zev does. And that's why I'll probably, you know, expire you know before Eric, the end of the year. I am going to make so. sure that you get some athletic greens I uh, sent to you. Get me the address. We're going to make sure you get some and we'll monitor your, uh, we'll give you a 30 day challenge on that and see how you feel. We'll get feel. My, my blood pressure down under 500 over 300. It's weird that actually eating vegetables and fruits and things are actually uh, good for you. Your mom was right. Mom was right about all those things. You know, that these greens are healthy -er than what (laughs) the junk I normally eat. I mean, I order like bad junk food all the time. It's uh, so this really helps me. We should do the Supreme Court because that's what the topic of tonight's show is. So I'm going to quickly just uh, switch around the graphics here. You know, um, Rachel's not here on Friday and we have to figure out who is going to be our co-host of a Friday show. So we've got to figure that out. Just reminding myself of that. And we've also got to tell people about next week's shows. There's two big guests and I haven't discussed them with you yet. So I'm going to try leak them, try hint at them without revealing who they are. One is going to be a guy who's an actual let's call him an FSB insider or someone who's very, very close to the FSB. He is not currently in Russia, <laughs> in case you're wondering. And he's a, he's been a really accurate source of what's been going on in Russia in terms of, you know, these fires, these independent sort of these, it seems like a rebellion is happening inside of Russia. Every other day, there's some sort of uh, fire at a munitions plant or a bus in Red Square yesterday. There's a lot of that happening. He's going to tell us why. He's going to tell us exactly what's going on. And so that's going to be really interesting. And also, we have one of the eyewitnesses for January the 6th, who's going to be joining us next week as well. So there's tons and tons of news to, to be reported on next week, plus um, our special guest. So it's going to be a busy week for us. All right. So now, the United States of Leonard Leo. We spoke about Leonard yesterday. 
I mentioned earlier at the show that I was trying to research more about him because he's such an interesting guy. I mean, he comes out of nowhere. He suddenly is this like uber, super powerful person who's able to install an entire Supreme Court, corrupt the entire Supreme Court, and he's able to do so in what seems like four years. I mean, even if you're a Superman, that's impressive to do. Obviously, there's a much bigger story to everything about Leonard Leo and everything about the federal society which he runs. And there's... Two little tapes I'm going to play. They both come from Sheldon Whitehouse, who's the uh, senator of Rhode Island. And he is you know, on the Intelligence Committee. I think he's in the Intelligence Committee. But amongst other things, oh, Judiciary Committee, sorry. He is very on point when it comes to allowing himself to tell the Supreme Court justices exactly what he thinks of how they got there. And he did that with Amy Coney Barrett. And uh, I'm going to play you that 20-minute speech that he gave her about how she got to be a Supreme Court justice. But before we do that, I want to play you another piece from an earlier tape. This is from what he called, and you should look this up online, it's really a very, very good series. It's called the, as I'm trying to remember the name, The Scheme. And it's basically him going through the whole campaign to change the Supreme Court into this right-wing, activist, pro-business court that it is today. And he identifies the origins of this particular story back in 1971. Believe it or not, 1971. So uh, the guy's name is Powell, and uh, let's see. And it's not playing. Amazing. Okay. So can you summarize? I mean, I've seen Sheldon Whitehouse's, you know, he's former attorney general of uh, Rhode Island and, you know, a guy that really can speak about jurisprudence with with great fluency and, and conviction. And he's like, what's this? You know, he was like the first guy to go out in Congress and say they are buying judgeships. That's yeah. what this is all about. Because if you get enough lifetime federal judges, enough lifetime appellate judges, enough Supreme Court judges, you can make the law say whatever you want. Or let's say you're making new laws in the legislature. Well, somebody's got to judge those, you know, eventually or, you know, create precedent case law and you can change the entire shape of a country. I mean, look at McCutcheon and Citizens United, which is like money is speech. And oh, also don't tell us where the damn money's coming from. So we know after, you know, uh, Maria Butsina and, uh, oh, who's, who is her boss? The, uh, the Russian mob dude from Barcelona, oh, all the money um, they send in through the, uh, what's his name? It's a torsion, lifetime. Torsion was his name. Torsion, Alexander Torsion. That's yes. right. You know, so wait a minute. Is there money speech? Why do Russian mob bosses get free speech in U S elections? Well, because of McCutcheon and because of citizen United. Yeah. I and mean, this is really and, a campaign know, it to change the whole country. Yeah. And as he identifies in all of this is that back in 1971, they were able to start this secret campaign, a secret scheme to basically occupy the court and then, you know, turn it into a pro-business, uh, anti-civil liberties kind of uh, court, which is, it is today. I mean, they clearly succeeded. So, you know, the Leo Leonards of today did not just pop up. They came from a much earlier time that when it was uh, this guy Powell who started this whole thing. Now, because I can't find that tape, I'm going to just jerry-rig something here. I am going to just play this thing that he did with Amy Coney Barrett by trying to steal it off YouTube. <laughs> so this is because I think I can. And uh, the, the year 1971 is very interesting because that's around mm -hmm. the time that we established the Racketeer Influence Corrupt Organizations Act or the RICO Act, because 
the power of the mob in so many areas was so big yeah. they we needed different prosecutorial tools in order to take on these big networks oh, that's it's interesting, interesting. that that's interesting yeah and it's interesting that uh you got the republicans started going south into some of those churches that are connected into some dixie mob money laundering and mm. you know it you know happens. there are a lot of a lot of changes you know and then you get into the you know you look at uh how the you know what the reagan white house was up to and then the clinton white house and um you know sometimes i wonder if this is really a big story about organized crime wanting to get rid of the rule of law I mean, it certainly does look like that. You can, I mean, I look at this at the Trump family and you can't, I just, it just looks like a crime family to me. It does not, I don't even know how they can be viewed as anything else. And yet somehow they've been accepted as, as a legitimate political force in this country by people who must also then be crime families. I mean, or crime or connected to crime. Others, it just doesn't make sense to me that they would be so, um, you know, so capable of doing such a thing. But, you know, it just seems like they are. Look, the, the Scorsese, I mean, I love the Scorsese films. Uh, you know, I love, I mean, I love uh, the Godfather films, I think are essential to understanding what's going on today in so many ways. And Casino and Goodfellas, however, all, you know, Casino and Goodfellas particularly are very subtle pieces of propaganda. Really good propaganda only leaves out a couple parts and gets you the whole story that was going to come out anyhow, mm -hmm. or that maybe you kind of knew anyhow, and you just, you're glamorizing a little bit and you, you cut off a couple parts like in casino, it, like it ends in like 1995 there with a picture of the MGM grand hotel. And it's like, then the corporations took over. And that was the last time they let guys like us touch anything like that again. <laughs> it was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to play this just I'm not this is not what I intended to but I think it's going to be good anyhow this is Sheldon Whitehouse he's going to talk to us about the Kavanaugh operation so fast forward from 1971 all the way to what is it uh 2018 what was he uh something like that seven, yeah, something 2018 like. 2018 is when Kavanaugh was put into power and he explains to us exactly in great detail here how Kavanaugh got his job as a Supreme Court Justice the scheme to capture our Supreme Court in this case, it'll be through the lens of how recent justices got on the court, and I will choose Brett Kavanaugh. I think we all remember the famous list, the Federalist Society list that Donald Trump promised to follow in Supreme Court appointments. The first interesting thing about Brett Kavanaugh is that he was not on the list of candidates that Donald Trump had offered up. This list that bought peace between House of Trump and House of Coke. Trump had promised he'd appoint off that scheme-approved Federalist Society list. He didn't. And yet, no one complained. That's a telltale right there. There was no complaining because Brett Kavanaugh knew this terrain. He knew the central operative at the heart of this scheme, Leonard Leo. He had worked on judicial nominations in the Bush White House with Leonard Leo, who coordinated big donor support for judicial nominees. I've described before a judge who bemoaned to me what he called his colleagues auditioning, auditioning for higher office, auditioning for the Supreme Court, auditioning, 
was a telltale word that struck, that stuck with me. You don't audition without someone to audition to. Well, Kavanaugh knew the guy at the center of the scheme, and he knew that the donor turnstile to the Supreme Court was run out of the Federalist Society. So Kavanaugh not only auditioned with Leo, he auditioned at the Federalist Society. And no one auditioned harder than Brett Kavanaugh. As a circuit judge, he campaigned through 27 Federalist Society events. I think he set the record for auditioning at Federalist Society events. He knew who and he knew where, and he also knew what the big donors wanted. So he made sure his circuit court opinions signaled his chops. On abortion, Garza v. Hargan, okay to force a teenager to wait indefinitely for an abortion as the clock ran. Check. On guns, Heller v. District of Columbia, a dissent in the follow-up case to the Supreme Court Heller decision, in his case, one even more extreme than Scalia. Check. For polluters, PHHVCFPB, waving the Federalist Society Unitary Executive banner, even saying that regulatory agencies are a significant threat. I'm quoting him here. Regulatory agencies, the things that protect us from pollution and cheaters, are a significant threat to individual liberty. <laughs> if you're a polluter, check. And most important to this dark money scheme, Emily's List v. FEC, where he said that front groups are constitutionally entitled to raise and spend unlimited money in support of candidates for elected office because it is implausible that contributions to independent expenditure political co committees are corrupting, end quote. Yeah, how could that possibly be corrupting? Check. So this is behavior. In nature, when you see behavior, you can draw conclusions. When you see, for instance, a vulture wheeling, you can expect something dead below. It's not always true. The vulture may just be wheeling in an updraft eddy, but you get a number of vultures wheeling, it's pretty reliable that there's something dead below. And when so many judges start auditioning for advancement, that their behavior acquires a name from other judges, you can be pretty sure there's an audience for their auditioning. And Kavanaugh knew that audience. His relationship with Leo, Leonard Leo, his hustling of Federalist Society events, his insider knowledge of the Republican selection process and the big donors, and his ardent display of his wares in all the ways big donors would want was a winning combination. So Leonard Leo hand walked him around the Trump Federalist Society list and straight to the top of the judicial selection pile. And no one with a hand in the Trump Coke deal that spawned the Federalist Society list voiced an objection. Kavanaugh had auditioned his way around the list and the scheme could not have been happier with the outcome. All of that behavior is telling. There's a scheme and Kavanaugh knew how to play it. Now that the scheme had its man, they would fight for him. They did not know how hard the fight would be until Dr. Christine Blasey Ford came forward 
with a tale of youthful sexual assault by Kavanaugh and a drunken buddy. But even before that, there were telltales of the pressure to get Kavanaugh onto the court. Thousands of pages of records from his White House days were withheld. Blank pages stamped constitutional privilege were presented to us on the committee. They couldn't even bring themselves to call it executive privilege. The claim was so far-fetched. Constitutional privilege was an invented phrase, but they knew no Republican would object. The pressure was on, the play had been signaled, the money behind the scheme was the money behind the Republican Party, so Democrats could complain, but the Republican wall would hold. All our objections and requests would be overruled. Another example of signaling from nature, you can tell a lot about the wind by looking at the water, as sailors know. You don't have to feel it. You can understand the wind by looking at the water. Little wavelets show where gusts of wind can be found on a still day. The water darkens where there are stronger puffs on windy days. As the wind grows, the waves grow bigger, and then white caps form. And as the wind strengthens more, wind lines appear. Langmuir circulation, the scientists call it, aligned with the wind's direction. And in a full gale, in a full gale, spindrift, foam from the tops of the waves, spindrift blows off the wave tops. In the same way that you can tell a lot about the pressure of the wind by looking at the behavior of the water, you can tell a lot about the pressure of the scheme by looking at the behavior of the Republicans, particularly in the gale force controversy over Dr. Blasey Ford's testimony. By all rights, in any normal world, Kavanaugh would have been withdrawn. The fact that he wasn't is a telling signal of pressures afoot. Allegations of sexual violence motivate domestic violence and victims groups, groups which senators do not ordinarily choose to cross. Is one judge worth that? Why not just pick another? Yet they went forward. Another mm -hmm. telling signal of the pressure. Senators usually prize their chance to question Supreme Court nominees. Yet Republicans gave that up to a female mm -hmm. prosecutor sent to disarm Dr. Blasey Ford's testimony. Yet another signal. Of course, that didn't work. The witness's testimony was clear and credible. The female prosecutor was sent packing. Republican senators were left in the touchy position of having to disbelieve Dr. Blasey Ford without any basis for disbelieving her. Yet only one Republican senator buckled. Another signal. Senator Flake demanded some investigation. And here the gale force pressure kicked in. This could not go on. Kavanaugh was too great a prize. The FBI was pressured to do a fake investigation. That is a fire alarm of a signal. And we saw many signs of things awry. For a while, early on, the FBI became impervious to information. To put it mildly, that is not the FBI's customary disposition. An FBI that suddenly becomes impervious to information <laughs> is quite a signal. The FBI was told which few in witnesses could be interviewed, 
The interviews were cursory and terse. Other witnesses who came forward were ignored or turned away. Even when Dr. Blasey Ford and other witnesses were trolled by the flying monkeys of the far right so venomously that Dr. Blasey Ford had to stop teaching, had to leave her home, had to hide herself under the protection of a security detail, witnesses still tried to come forward. So ultimately, under pressure, the FBI announced a tip line for witnesses to contact. But the tip line was a fake. The FBI has procedures for things, and it has tip line procedures. The FBI did not follow its tip line procedures. It appears the FBI did not follow up on any of the tips that came in on the Kavanaugh tip line. Instead, the FBI routed the Kavanaugh-related tips to the White House Counsel's Office for a decent burial. We on the committee were ultimately allowed in a classified setting, classified setting, two hours of what you could call speed dating with documents to look through pile after pile after pile of documents. No notes allowed, no photos allowed, no copies allowed. No One notes of those allowed. piles though Crazy. was tip line results. So we know no the notes tips allowed. came in. The FBI admits thousands of tips came in. 4,500. None. 4,500, yeah. FBI statements at the time said they were following standard procedure. What they meant by that, which they later admitted, is that in background investigations, they are agents of the White House and under White House political direction. So their regular procedures did not apply. The standard procedures they said they were following was the procedure of not following the standard procedures. If you can get around that verbal somersault. What the FBI did not say is that aside from standard investigative procedures they did not follow, there are also standard FBI procedures for background investigations. The FBI is a procedure-bound institution. We're still digging and we're gonna keep digging, but it looks like they didn't follow those background investigation procedures either. I'm gonna stop it there because we're gonna run out of time, but I mean, I think you get a sense of where Sheldon is, is going there. I mean, I think you've got a, you've got these corrupt judges on the court. It's just, there's no other way to look at them. These people are not meant to be there. These three in particular, they, they were all led in there by Leonard Leo. They should not be there. They're not qualified. They basically were a recipients of, you know, a scheme paid for by the Kochs. Well, I want to revisit some of Senator Whitehouse's language there. Mm. Remember, he's the prosecutor, right? Mm. Attorney General in Rhode Island, uh, you know, a place that's got a little bit of mob going on there, if mm -hmm. you've ever heard of it. Yeah. The scheme. Yeah. <laughs> manner, you know, the in furtherance of the scheme is key language in any criminal conspiracy case mm -hmm. so for him to keep banging on that over and over and this person was connected and then they did these acts and the this meeting of the minds the predicate acts mm -hmm. you're that's racketeering talk yeah only that's the criminal so you talk. can't do that can't do anything to them because they're the justices i mean we but he's saying that these guys were you know he's hinting uh, very strongly, every attorney is their ears should perk up here. 
he's hinting uh, this is a criminal conspiracy. This is oh, not yes. a legitimate process. And that's the, you know, them's fighting words. I think he's right. This, yeah. The other part of this I was going to play is showed how Leonard Leo and his Federalist Society also fund all the court cases that then lead up to Supreme Court cases that are then heard in front of these Supreme sure. Court justices that they funded. So it's yeah, a very clean private scheme. Actors, yeah. Yeah. Getting like, a, these are okay. civil cases. Yeah. Getting a civil case all the way. It's like, okay, you got to go for federal court first. And yes. it's like, you know, the filing fee, 700 bucks. And you got to do this. And it's going to last for two years. If you're talking about pushing something, you know, that's an individual with a certain fact pattern and they're going to fight this out and it's going to go and it's going to go to the court of appeals and you're hoping it gets, you know, there's some controversy and you got to do these. If you want to get it to the Supreme court, these usually have to be in two different districts. Yep. So there can be a fight between the two different circuits. Yep. So the two circuit courts of appeal will hear it and have a slightly different ruling. And then they will send it up to the Supreme Court to say, all right, what's the law of the land here? That takes a long time and multiple cases and multiple tries to get this in place. So then, this is, uh, yeah. you know, and they've got a, a lot of money. They, yes, let's think about the money is that they've got not only the money is coming in there from the Cokes or whomever, but they have all these opaque, you know, arm's length LLCs that they can run this stuff through. So, you know, you'll never find yeah. out who the real, you know, backers of all these things are. Uh, do you have time for one more little clip? It won't be long. It'll be about two minutes. I'm, I'm hard stop. Okay. So, we'll okay, have to catch okay, you. So, okay, well, you know, you, you do that. I'm going to let the little clip play us out. The audience. Awesome. Because, you know, it's good to play things out. Thanks for being here again, Eric. Oh, Thanks exhausted. for having me. It's too much the lately the news lately. It's a, it's not that it's it's a lot. It's just that it's a lot to uh, analyze in a very quick amount of time that we have before the show. I was built so, for this. Yeah, we were built for this. <laughs> you have a good night, sir. And uh, right, I'll, I'll entertain everybody else with uh, a little banter here on the way out. A reminder that uh, you can always support narrative by going to patreon.com forward slash narrative. We really do need your support. And, you know, I know times are tough. I know it's hard to figure out who you want to spend your money on about whether you want to spend money on your Disney streamer or your, you know, Netflix or, or narrative. I get that it's, it's a lot of money we're asking for, but it's the only way this truth is going to get out there. And no one else has covered the stories we've covered since day one on narrative. You know, the only way we have to fight all this disinformation is through reporting and telling the truth. And that's what we're trying to do here on narrative. So I'll appeal to you to please go to patreon.com forward slash narrative and help us out because we really do need more patrons to keep going. Also, thanks to our sponsor tonight, Athletic Greens, and you can get your free goodies with your Athletic Greens order if you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative. And I'm going to leave you with a little bit of this, of Sheldon Whitehouse talking to the confirmation hearing for Amy Coney Barrett. And as she was being confirmed, he took 30 minutes out of the confirmation uh, questioning to remind her of where the money comes from that funded her case. So this is uh, impromptu, so I don't know where I'm picking it up, but you, you'll get a sense of how it works. And we'll only play a couple of minutes and maybe we'll pick some more of this up on a later show as well, because it is uh, really, really interesting stuff. So here's the uh, Sheldon Whitehouse again. Federalist Society selection process. So, the connections abound. In the Washington Post article, they point out that the Judicial Crisis Network's office is on the same hallway in the same building as the Federalist Society, and that when they sent their reporter to talk to somebody at the Judicial Crisis Network, somebody from the Federalist Society came down to let them up. 
This more and more looks like it's not three schemes, but it's one scheme with the same funders selecting judges, funding campaigns for the judges, and then showing up in court in these orchestrated amicus flotillas to tell the judges what to do. On the Judicial Crisis Network, you've got the Leonard Leo connection. Obviously, she hopped in to take over for him with the Federalist Society. You've got the campaigns that I've talked about where they take $17 million contributions. That's a big check to write, $17 million to campaign for Supreme Court nominees. No idea who that is or what they got for it. You've got briefs that she wrote. The Republican senators filed briefs in that NFIB case signed by Ms. Severino. The woman who helped choose this nominee has written briefs for Republican senators attacking the ACA. Don't say the ACA's not an issue here. And by the way, the Judicial Crisis Network funds the Republican Attorneys General. It funds RAGA, the Republican Attorney General's Association, and it funds individual Republican Attorneys General. And guess who the plaintiffs are in the Affordable Care Act case? Republican Attorneys General. Trump joined them because he didn't want to defend, so he's in with the Republican Attorneys General. But here's the Judicial Crisis Network campaigning for Supreme Court nominees, writing briefs for senators against the Affordable Care Act, supporting the Republicans who are bringing this case, and leading the selection process for this nominee. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. Join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative.